we're starting a new series called Generous and what it is to be generos- uh, have generosity in our life and talking about generosity and how important it, it, it is. Now, immediately when you hear generosity, your mind goes to money. But generosity isn't, um, it, it isn't an act. It's, it's stewardship is the act. Generosity is an attitude. It's an attitude of the heart. And a generous person is generous in every part of their life. We may say, well, I'm really generous here. Maybe I'm not so much there. Most of the time when you're generous, you're just generous. You're a generous person. Now, now this is important to understand. All of you are generous. You were created generous because you were created in the image of God. You were created in the image of God. And God is generous, therefore you are generous. Some of you are thinking, I'm just playing mind games with you. No, the reality is you're generous, but there are two things that prevent us from being what we are, who we are, and what we're created to be. First one is lies. We believe lies. Um, Maybe you had a parent or someone that said, all the church wants is our money. That's all they want is our money. And if that's been told to you again and again by different people, you start to believe the lie. Um, but can I let you in on a little secret? Can I let you in on a little secret? Yeah, Pastor, go ahead. No, no, no. All Walmart wants is your money. All restaurants want is your money. All the landlord wants is your money. All that loan officer wants and that realtor wants is your money. They'll tell you whatever you want to hear so that you give them your money. That, the government, all they want is... Right? But do you ever stop going to restaurants? No. Do you stop going to Walmart or Target? Even though that's all they want is their money. They're nice to you so they can get your money. We, it's, it's amazing how we just think... We, we get caught up in some serious lies, and we can't see through the weeds. We can't see the truth. And the, and the reality is we're generous because God made us to be generous, and the enemy puts lies in our life to prevent us from that. The second thing is fear. He, he, gives, he puts this thought, if you're generous, you'll not be able to afford for yourself. You won't be able to take care of yourself. Well, how many know? But, but then in the same mouth, in the same thought, we'll say, God takes care of me. But I can't do be generous because I won't be able to take care. But God takes care of me. Which Does God hold out on you? Is God holding out on you? It really identifies the belief that we truly do believe. If it's fear, we believe another lie is that God holds out on me and I really got to keep what I get because God ain't giving me a whole lot more. Does that make sense? See, it's a little quiet in here, so I'm either stepping on some toes... Or you just, you're like, okay, what are you talking about this for? What is it you're going to talk about this for? Well, just, give me, just give me a little bit of room here because I really believe that God wants Bethel's Rock people or people of Bethel's Rock to be generous people, to be known in the community to be generous, that our church would be known to be generous, uh, that we would do generous things, not just within these four walls for the people that are in these four walls, but for people who aren't going to church anywhere, and we would be generous. And they say, you know what? Those Christians, I don't know if I agree with them, but they're very generous. They sure are generous. 
That's the one thing I've noticed is their generosity to, to people. Now, generosity is not tithe, the tithing. A lot of people say, well, I give because I tithe. Technically, you don't. The Bible is very clear. The tithe, the Bible says, he says, bring me the tithe because uh, it's not yours. So, okay, we have an attitude of generosity, but we have to steward what we're given. And if you believe everything you have was given to you by God, then we're stewarding what he's given to us, what's his, right? So if we keep saying, it's my money, mine, my money, right? You will steward it the way you want. But if you believe what the Bible says, how many believe what the Bible says, God says, it's actually all mine, you will steward the way he tells you to steward it. Okay? Now, um, people say, well, uh, I, I don't know that I believe in tithing, and that, that's okay. I'll, I'll address that a little later. But, but tithing, tithing, how, ma how many believe that everything you have comes from God? Okay, that's good. Um, because, and if you don't, you shouldn't raise your hand, but that, and that's okay. But because if you don't believe everything you have comes from a, your breath, your stuff, your days. In fact, I was just with the guy who mentored me this last week. He came for two days. His wife and him came for two days. Pastor Dan from Michigan. And, and he was sitting, he's 78 years old, and he says, I thank God for every day that I have. And, and, I, and I thought, when he said it, I laughed, and he goes, what's so funny? And I said, I think when we get to heaven, we'll be like, God, why did you leave me there so long? <laughs> like, this is how I think God is. When we say, thank you, God, for another day on earth, I think God sits there and goes, man, you're so content with the Pinto when I got a Maserati over here. That's why Paul said to die is gain to live as Christ like this is not the reward we act like this is the reward this is the assignment we're in the assignment right now and how are we stewarding what God has given us to use to accomplish the assignment that we are on so when he said bring the tithe to him that's a command God, how many know God doesn't change from yesterday today or forever right? It's a command. We tithe. And, and you guys have been very generous. Um, uh, last year, 2020, you gave um, around $300,000 to missions last year. This year, you gave about that by the end of May. In the Assemblies of God, which we're part of, you were 96th and giving out of 13,000 churches. That's pretty amazing, right? And you continue. And can I give you one fact? And you're not going to like this fact. And only 50% of Bethel's Rock give more than $1 a year. Do you know if every single per person tithed, we'd never have to take a special offering? The only reason you take special offerings is because there are those who just believe the lie that I don't need to tithe. Isn't it sad? So they don't really walk in the blessing that God has for them in it because we really do think it's my money and I'm going to do whatever I want with my money, right? So, so let me give you a quick illustration. Um, I need a ride to the airport. So I ask you, 
to take me to the airport? And you say, sure, I'll take you to the airport. And I said, thank you. So we get in the car. You pick me up. We drive to the airport. I pull my stuff up. And I said, hey, I know that you don't have a car to use for the next couple weeks. While I'm gone, I'm going to let you use my car. Here are the keys and enjoy it. Use it wherever you need. And you say, well, thank you, thank you. You get in the car and you drive away. And in two weeks, I fly back in. You come to pick me up. You get to the airport. And when we get there, hey, how are you doing? We do our high five, whatever it is for you. Throw the thing in. And we get in the car. And you're driving the car because I just got off the flight. And so you're driving the car. And you say, you know what? My wife and I, this is you. You say, you know what? My wife and I have been praying. And we really felt compelled to give you this vehicle. We really felt compelled that we need to give you this vehicle. I'm going to be like, I already own this car. You ain't own this car. I entrusted this vehicle to you for you to steward, but I own it all. That's what we do with our finances. We say, God, I feel compelled that I should give you back what's already yours. It's all his. We're called to steward it, right? So tithing isn't a generous thing. It's an obedience thing. If we don't get the obedience thing right, we won't get the generous thing right. But before you can steward, and, and we're all stewarding what God gives us. The Bible says there are good stewards, there are evil stewards, there are bad stewards. And so there's stewards. How we steward it? And you say, well, what, what separates the steward? Here's what separates stewards. One, those who obey with what God's already told you. And two, those who listen to what God is telling you to do. Some are motivated by emotion when they should be motivated by the voice of God. Uh, God already said I should tithe, so I tithe. But in the rest, I seek the voice of the Lord and I ask him, what do you want me to do to steward the rest of this? Or you hear God tell you to do something and then you respond what you know he told you to do. You're stewarding what God has given you. But for those people in the room that don't believe everything they have belongs to God, I'm going to lead you in a prayer and you can pray this prayer. So you can discover how much is actually God's and what is yours. Are you ready for that prayer? Now, if you believe everything you have is yours, do not say this prayer. I warn you, do not ask God this. And God, I am not praying this. I am not praying this, God. This is, this is just me being a servant, okay? This is the prayer. For those who don't believe everything that they have is, is, that, that is God's, they believe some of it's theirs, some of it's God given them. Okay, here's, here's the prayer. Lord, remove everything out of my life that you have given me. Anybody ready? Okay, ready? All those people that believe that? Say it loudly now. How many know that you're praying that prayer? Because deep down inside, you're afraid maybe all of it is God's. And maybe I have been called to steward Everything, not just the 10%, the 100% of everything. Not, and I'm not even talking about money right now. I'm talking about 100% of my life. What is he calling me to do with my life? There are some people been called to go into ministry, but they won't do it because they don't get enough money. God's, it's God's life. God created you. Those kids aren't yours. They're God's. Are you stewarding your children correctly? You have to seek the Lord. Are you with me this morning? 
Okay, there's going to be a whole lot because we've been created to be generous. Look at what uh, Paul tells Timothy to do. He says, command those who are rich. Hello, you're all rich. How many college students in here? You don't feel rich, but you rich, right? Everyone in here is rich. You know, in Cuba, they get paid $480 a year. Some of you made $480 in a day. They make it in a year. They're starving. And you don't believe me? I saw Ivan around here somewhere, and you can ask him. He's from Cuba. He'll tell you that's what, what the truth is. It says, command those who are rich in their present world not to be arrogant and to put their hope in what? Wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Isn't that great? He wants you to enjoy it all. We don't have to be, feel bad for the blessing in our life. He wants us to enjoy it. We just need to recognize that everything he's put in our life is really for a reason. Like there is, there is, there is things that the Lord wants us to do with what he's given us. Look at, you know, because if I were to take all of the topics of the Bible and then organize the sermons that I preach during a year, I would end up preaching on giving three to four times a year. That's how often it occurs in the Bible. Look at this. In fact, the topics that are at the highest, believe is mentioned 272 times. Prayer is mentioned 371 times. And love is used 714 times. If you add up all of these topics, it still doesn't, just goes over just half of the times giving is mentioned. Do you know why it's mentioned that many times? Because God already knew it would be the greatest struggle for us. Why? Because we struggle to trust that God is truly my Jehovah Jireh, my provider. We think with limits. We think there's only so much and that God's holding out on us and that he only gives me so much and I got to keep for me all of it because if I don't give, if I give or I'm generous or if I obey the word God gives me, I'm not going to have enough for me. Now, how many would say, yes, that happens to me? Be honest. Say, yeah, that happens. You know, everyone should be raising their hand. Because the enemy uses the same weapon against all of us. Some of you say, well, if I just had more money, I would give more. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Because the more, the wealthier people become, if they haven't established that belief early on, they never give anything. Here's an example. We sold our home a few years ago, and, and tithing is 10% is on the increase. So when I got my check and I did the math about what the increase was on what I paid for my home and what I sold it for, I had to sit down and write the check. Right? How many know what I'm talking about? Like, that is a lot of money. You know what I could buy for that kind of money? But it wasn't mine. You know where it was coming from? The enemy comes and sits on your shoulder and says, no one would know. Is God no one? Because God knows. And it's not a matter of whether God knows. It's, do I really want the curse in my finances or am I going to get the curse out of my finances? That's what the tithe is. It's a curse. You remove it from... so. The tithing was just bringing to God what's his, being a steward of it. What I'm talking about is an attitude of generosity where my heart wants 
to give. It wants to bless people. It goes beyond because the Bible says we were created in his image and God was a giver. God never asked you to do something he didn't do first. Well, God's asking me to tithe. How did God tithe to me? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only firstborn son as a tithe to you. To redeem you. For God so loved the world that he gave. We are never more like God than when we give. The godly are generous givers. We always say, how do you know they're a believer? How do you know they're a believer? Well, they don't drink, smoke, chew, and date girls who do. How do you know they're a believer? Because they don't do those things. Do you know the Bible identifies the believer by what they do, right? These signs shall follow them who believe. That's how you know they're a believer because the signs are following them. One of the signs of a believer is they're generous givers. How do you know they're a believer? Because they're really generous. They're super giving. It completely contradicts human nature. Human nature says, me, 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 just enough for me. A believer says, for you I give because Christ gave to me and there's no limit to him. I'm going to give to you. Proverbs 11.25 goes on and says, A generous man will what? And he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. You want refreshing? Refresh other people. Stand there. And you're saying, now I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. You're skeptical. You're like, okay, pastor, you're talking about being generous. And you're talking about money. I'm not talking about just money. I'm talking about every aspect of life. Serving people. I'm talking about using your resources. Did somebody needs a shovel, you just give them the shovel. You need a shovel, you can have my shovel. And you say, well, I have three, that's why I did it. No, I have one shovel, but I'm going to give them the shovel because they need it. Why? Because I'm a generous person. It's because who I am, right? Um, in fact, my neighbor one time, he came and he says, do you have a saw blade? Where I really learned this lesson. He says, do you have a saw blade I could use? And I go, yeah. And I went in the garage and I had a saw blade there, a brand new saw blade. I had used ones, but I grabbed the brand new one and I gave it to him. And he says, what do I owe you? And I said, you don't owe me anything. And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, apparently some, somewhere along the road, God gave me that saw blade because he knew you were going to need it. So it's yours. I, I just store in it, apparently. And after I, got in, after I got done staying that, I'm like, that is a serious truth that I had never seen before. It just came out of my mouth. I was sitting there going, what did I just say? Like, and then I realized everything I have is God's. So when he says to give it, I learned something in that moment because out of my mouth, he hijacked my tongue, and I said that to him, and, and, and literally I realized that's who I'm supposed to be because he gave me that, and if I'm supposed to give you that, he'll take care of it over here and something else. I don't know how, but he's going to do it. You don't need to see how, but we, there's a lot of boring Christians in the world, especially in America, because we never live in a way that requires God to do a miracle in our life. We only live up to what we can afford. 
what we can justify. We never live in a place of miracles. So you're sitting there, all you're talking is because you want to raise some money. There, I'm literally not talking to raise money today. Now, in the fall, in November, we're going to do missions pledges, and we're going to ask that you give to missions. And in the spring, we're going to do a thing to pay off the debt that we have, that we're just going to take care of the debt, and then try to operate out of what God blesses us with rather than taking out debt. How many think that's a good idea? But we got to take care of the debt first, and so we got to give to that. But that isn't where, what this is about. This is really about my heart outside this walls. That when you're standing, you know, literally, and I think I said this, I don't know if I said it here, but at Sam's Club, and, I, and this happened to me, and you see a bunch of kids hanging off of every limb of this woman, and she has no ring on her finger, you can pretty much guess she might be a single mother, that I'm going to step in and be generous and pay for her groceries. Because I get to. Because I get to. Right? Because it's fun. Because I enjoy doing that. It's something I get to do. It's the motivation of being generous. It's just who I am. And then I get to tell them the reason I'm doing it is because God was generous with me. And I get to be generous with people. And so when they wonder why, I always tie it back to God. I always tie it back to what he did in my life. Look at 2 Corinthians. Paul planted churches all over Asia Minor. And some of the churches he planted were in rich areas. Some were in oppressed areas. Some were poor areas. Some were lively areas. But he planted churches. And he's talking to a wealthy church, the wealthy church that he planted, and he's using the poorest church that he had planted, he's using them as an example, the church of Macedonia. And he says, now brothers, we want you to know about the grace gift that God has given the Macedonian churches out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy, and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. What he, did, what he, what he was saying is, hey guys in Corinth, you have never experienced the poverty that Macedonia has experienced. All of us in here are filthy rich. Normally, I have you turn to the person next to you and say, you know, you're filthy rich. Filthy rich. Yeah, you just said that to your mom, and you're going to ask her for something. I saw that. You're filthy rich. Can I have a new pair of shoes? Right? Because we are. We're filthy rich. But here, the Macedonians had nothing, and Paul was going to overlook them because they had nothing and the church of Macedonia says this, Paul, don't you dare keep us out of this. It's because we have nothing that we know we need to give because it's in the giving that God is going to bless us. Okay, look at what he, what he says. It goes on. It says, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able even beyond their ability. It means they gave in faith that God was going to have to provide in some way for them. And they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. Generosity is not about the money. It's about an attitude. Just stop for a moment. Maybe you would look back and say, boy, I was really generous at one point in my life. But I don't know what happened. Somewhere along the line, life happened, and I really stopped being generous. And there was such joy and peace and love, this excitement when I was able to be generous. But now it's really become more about what I have and all my stuff and getting more and more things. And, 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 I, and I don't, I, I'm literally not experiencing all the stuff I experienced when I was generous. For some of you, it's just a matter of getting back to being generous where the refreshing in your life is going to come. 
One thing I've noticed, a lot of believers are under attack right now. Anyone in here under attack, the enemy in some area? Can I tell you, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, don't let evil change who you are. Don't let it scare you. Don't let it change your decisions. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't fear evil. Therefore, I just take hold of the promises of God and the scripture of God, and I hold to it because it's going to come true. It's going to happen. So I want to talk about five things that happen when we give. Here's the first one. Here's the first one. Give joyfully. Give joyfully. Give joyfully. There was someone um, in our church that had medical problems and medical bills, and they couldn't pay the medical bills. And it was just a lot and a lot, and they kept compounding. Well, someone in our church heard about it, and they paid the medical bills off for that person. And God extraordinarily blessed that person beyond what he paid for the medical bills. But that person was blessed because God, did that person pay his medical bills? No, God paid the medical bills and just let it flow through that person. Now, you know what the problem is? God is struggling to find believers who don't see every bonus as theirs. He's looking for people he can trust not to eat the seed on themselves. Right? Look at this verse. Give joyfully. Because we should have fun giving. The Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than receive. Now watch this. This next one. I love this next one. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Now I love this part. Look at this. Say it with me. Loves a... Okay. So smile. Right? Giving is part of worship. Do you know what cheerful means? This, I love this part. You know what cheerful means? It is literally, the word in Latin is hilarious. A hilarious giver. That literally, this is what it's like. <laughs> I just gave so much money, we aren't going to eat for a week. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I gave our gas money away to that person. I have no idea how I'm filling up the car to get home. That is so funny. <laughs> That's literally what it's saying, that you give so much that it makes you laugh. Kids, we're eating shrimp, <laughs> ramen noodles, and beef ramen noodles. We can't even afford hamburger helper. <laughs> it's got to be tuna helper. <laughs> that is so funny. That is what it's saying. You give so much that you laugh about it. It is so much fun that you're hilariously laughing about it. When's the last time you gave that way? Again, I'm not talking about just inside these walls. I'm talking about out there. In a world that thinks Christians are all about themselves or that it's all the church is all about getting my money. Here's the next one in Proverbs says, some people are always greedy for more. Mine, 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 mine. But the godly love to give. You know, children, you know, children. Right? Like when my girls were small and, and they had a friend over and that friend picked up the toy. They started playing with the toy and the girl goes over, mine, 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 mine. They learned German first. Mine. <laughs> and then that little friend went over to another toy and picked it up 
and they watched that friend over there, and they looked at their toy, and they set their toy down and ran over and grabbed mine. We were like, Heather's like, listen, girls, you ain't going to have many friends if it's all, and it was mine, my toy, right? And, and some of those kids are now 52. It's all mine, 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 mine. I'm not borrowing it. Why not? Because they're never going to return it. It makes sense if you think like the world thinks. But if you think as the kingdom of God thinks, it says when you loan out something, don't expect for it to get back to you. Because none of it's yours. It's all his. You guys got stuff in the garage that's sitting there that God wants someone else to have, but you kept it to yourself because you may need it at your grave. I want you to throw it in my grave with me, okay? The Wall Street Journal article, it's called Hardwired, for, uh, Hardwired Forgiving. In August, August, uh, 13th, August 13th of 2013, this was written. You can look it up. There was a journalist who couldn't understand this thing of generosity. He didn't understand because if you've been raised thinking with evolution, then in your mind you're thinking survival of the fittest you always do what's best for me before you ever help anyone. And rarely do you help because I got to do what's best for me. It's all about me. And they couldn't understand how people, if that's all true, then how in the world are there generous people in the world? How are there people that would give even to the point that they would give away where they wouldn't have all the conveniences? Like they would live not maybe poor, but lower middle class. Like they would live with little convenience, have 15-year-old cars that, that are old and things don't work. How is that possible if it's survival of fittest? Because it, that thinking is not there. And what they discovered, this is what they discovered in that article. What they discovered was there is a chemical that is released in the brain that creates the sensation of pleasure whenever you do something kind for someone else. Essentially, this is what they found. You were created to be generous. That literally, you want to be happy and fulfilled? Be generous. Be generous. God wants you to enjoy blessing people. Here's the second thing. Give selflessly. Put yourself less ahead of everything else. Second Corinthians, look at what it said. And they did not do as we expected. Don't you love that? We expected them to put themselves first, but they didn't do that. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then to keeping with God's will. They said, God, we give ourselves to you first. Now we're going to do whatever we can to meet the needs because this is not our home. We're going to live for eternity rather than live for here. So let me use this as an example. And I use this in the Blessed Life series that I do and will do in the spring. There is a job in England. We need people to go there and work for two years. When you go to work there for two years, you're going to make a million dollars a year. Okay? Now, don't email me. This is not a true scenario. Okay? I'm using an example. Some of you are like, I want that job. All right? Two million dollars, you're going to make a million dollars a year for two years. You're going to live in England. Here's the catch. You can send as much back to the United States that you want to send back to the United States, but anything you buy in England stays in England. You cannot take it with you. Right? 
How many of you would go out and buy the nicest house in London, you'd buy the nicest car you can, and you'd spend all million dollars in England while you're in England, right? How many would do that? Nobody would do that. You'd go find somebody who lives in England who has a sofa bed, and you'd put your family of eight on that sofa bed, right? We're going to live the least, we're going to be minimalist as much as possible. Like, we're going to be the little house people. You know, not little houses in, little house in the prairie, like little house like a shed. You know, one of those containers where they build, and the bed slides in. Like, we are not going to spend anything while we're in England. We're going to send it all back. Why? Because I can't keep it. We are so focused on here that we spend everything on our life here and we don't send anything into eternity. And you ask, well, how do I send it into eternity? You help people. You bless people. You be generous. And they did not do as expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, then to us. Look at this next one. Look at the next verse. Jesus, next verse, next verse, next verse, next verse. Thanks be to God for the indescribable gift. God gave to you, right? An indescribable gift. He gave to you, and he wants you to give to others. You know why we don't ask people to help us move? Because then they might ask me to move. <laughs> help them move, right? We, we literally think of generosity as Christmas, we think, is the most generous time of the year. Is it? Or do we love Christmas because it gives me an excuse to give a gift to someone that I cannot afford because I really want the gift they're going to give, I'm going to tell them to give me that, that I couldn't afford to buy myself, but I feel better about spending money way beyond what I can afford by giving them what they want. Did you just follow me? It's all about getting what I want in a way that I can justify to the Lord saying, God, help me. Look in the next one. Every one of us are impacted by other people's generosity. Every one of us. Do you know this building was paid for by somebody? Th this is the amazing thing to me. Let me use just logical, for instance. Logic. Um, when I go to a restaurant, the other night we went to the restaurant, and the waitress came up after we ate this great meal, came up, and they handed me a bill. And it's not their fault. They don't know. And I told him, listen, ma'am, I know you don't know. It's not your fault. But, but I'm a Christian. <laughs> and she's like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, I've been saved by grace. Well, that's great. Well, what you don't understand is because I'm under grace, I don't have to pay any bills. <laughs> Just wanted you to know. And I'm a pastor on top of that, so I don't pay for any bills. In fact, at the church, we don't pay the electric bill or the gas bill or we don't pay to repair the building. We don't pay for anything because it's all free, right? And when I go to church, it's all free, so I don't feel like I need to give anything. See, here's the problem. There are a whole lot of people who have convinced themselves, I don't need to tithe, but they never stop to look at the, th well, how did everything get paid for? Because people have been generous to pay for things so that I come, but, but boy, I want my kids to be taught the Bible. 
Is this making sense? We would never go into a restaurant and think it's just going to be a free meal because I'm under grace. But we'll go into church and expect God to feed us and say, I'm not paying a dime. That's just from a logical standpoint. So then what we do is say, I want everyone else in here who's generous and walk in the command of God to take care of my bill. That's like going into a restaurant and saying, I don't want to pay this. See that guy over there in the yellow? Yeah, I think he's in church. David is his name. Give him my bill. How many are following me right now? That's from a, if you want to look at it from a worldly standpoint, that's how you can look at it from a worldly standpoint. That's not what I'm coming here to do, is to get it. But if you want to go down that road, you go down that road and you're going to find, you know what? Hmm, that makes sense. Let's come in from a biblical standpoint. The biblical standpoint says God's, God wants you to be generous. To have the attitude of generosity. Like, the, do you know most of the things, most of the work that's done on a Sunday morning is done by volunteers? There are people right now taking care of the terrorists in our church. In the nursery. As they are. I mean, we're going to, we're going to, we're, they're working on them. They're trying to take the terrorists out of them by telling them Bible stories and honor your parents. And so, yes, mama, I am here. I am better now. You know, we're trying to cast the demons out. So, so the, that's what they're doing right now. When we go down there and we're like, well, I just don't appreciate what they did or I don't appreciate how they did that. Are you kidding me? Volunteer. You know, they shut the door. When I was coming in the door, the lady just turned and shut the door, didn't even see me, didn't even That's a volunteer. The thing that should come out of our mouth is thank you for being generous. Thank you for blessing. Thank you for blessing our life today, right? We have become a culture that's so consumer-minded, we even want the, we just, we, you better treat me right. Am I right? You better do what I want you to do, and I'm not going to make any investment. I'm going to complain about every way, but I'm making no investment. How many are concerned about the stock market. You watch the stock market, and when it goes up and down, you have a concern when it goes up and down. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. All right, come on. Be honest. Come on. Okay. I didn't know that many people didn't have money in the stock market. There's only three people who raised their hand. No one else is invested in the stock market. There is a biblical principle here. Where your treasure is, there your... When you put treasure in the stock market, you start to watch it a little more. Right? When you don't have treasure in something, you don't care about what's going on. You don't care if people are going to hell because I didn't put any treasure in reaching the lost. My heart's not there because I haven't invested into doing things that reach the lost. Do you see why the Bible talks about giving so much? Here's the, here's the next one. Give willingly. Give willingly, give willingly, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. That, I, that I'm not being compelled, I want to give. It's a desire, it's, it comes out of my heart. Uh, Matthew 5.17 says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've come to abolish, not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. You don't tithe because you have to, you tithe because you want to. Here's number four, give thankfully. 
I'm thankful for what God's done in my life. Psalms 116 says, how can I repay the Lord for all the goodness to me? What he did in my life. He set me free from my sins. He redeemed me. I have eternal life. First Chronicles says it this way. It says, everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Everything comes from you, God, and we're only bringing back what's yours. Here's the fifth one, give intentionally. And I really want you to, to hear this one, because I think a lot of us are manipulated in giving. In the arms of the angels... Open it up and writing a check to save a dog, but we have no care for a human being. We're, we're saving a dog we never met. Some people are more concerned over the existence of an animal than they are of a human. That is messed up. We are created in the image of God. My dog was not. I'm sorry. It's just when you cannot separate the two, that doesn't mean you can't love your pets. They're just not created in the image of God. You were. And we dare not cross that line because humans will always be more important than animals. Always. Because God breathed life into us. He spoke animals into existence. He shaped you with his hands. He spoke an animal into existence. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this, you must make your own mind as how much you should give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. You know, here's the reality of stewardship. You shouldn't give out of emotion. You need to determine, even in November when we give missions pledges, you need to make up your mind before you get there what the Lord is telling you to give. Stewardship is about an interaction with the one that owns it all. And asking him, Lord, what should I do? And then responding to what you're being told to do, not what you're being manipulated to do. God will tell you what you're supposed to do. First Timothy says, by doing this, by doing this, you will be storing up real treasure for yourself in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity. Because you're being obedient to what God's telling you to do. I'm being obedient to the, what God's telling me. This is all God's. And my wife and I, what we do, we'll, when we're making major decisions, we'll say, I'll say, I'm thinking of doing this. And she'll say, no. Or I was thinking more. And then I'll say, get behind me, Satan. No, I don't say that. I say, okay. Why do you feel that way? And either we've had, when we did this a few years ago, a number of years ago now for a stewardship pledge, we actually had the exact same amount of money together because we'd asked the Lord and we heard from the Lord. It was exactly the same. How many have had that happen before? Right? Only two people. That's great. Here's your promise. Here's your promise in this. You cannot outgive God. You can't outgive him. Look at, look at this verse, and I got tons of verses. You were given tons of verses because I know you don't care what I have to say. You really want to know what the Word says. Whoever sows sparingly will reap, but whoever sows generously will also. You want generosity in your life? You sow it. You sow it. 
right? You sow it. God doesn't just want to give to you. He wants to give through you. Not every bonus given to you is for you. You have to ask the Lord, is this for me or am I supposed to use this somewhere else? What, what, is, what is this for, God? Every bonus or every check that comes in, the first question is, okay, Lord, is this something I can get excited about or is this something I'm going to be giving away and getting excited about? Is it meant for me or was I supposed to give it to someone? Am I just a channel to someone or something? You know what I love about it? When you let the blessing of God flow through you, it catches on to you. The blessing catches on to you. You become a blessed channel. And that's the part everybody, Satan thinks, you start giving to people, you aren't going to have enough. You aren't going to have enough. You'll never have enough. Your God isn't a God of just enough. Your God is a God of overflow. He goes overboard with you. That's how it works. Are you ready to ask the Lord to help you with this? That means that there's some voices that need to be silenced in your head. There's some lies you've believed, people have told you, and you've just kind of hooked on to, because it's time to be released into that generous spirit. Amen? Be like the Macedonian church that had nothing, and they said, don't pass us by. Father, right now, I declare over your body, your bride today, a generous heart. Lord, I pray that you would just release your bride in this place, your beloved in this place, into extreme faith that trusts you to provide for every one of their needs. That this isn't asking them to give up so they starve or they don't have enough, but it's actually releasing them into being a conduit of your blessing in the lives of people. Lord God, I declare that over them right now, that their eyes would see and their ears would hear, that their heart might perceive the incredible generosity of the kingdom of God that's going to flow through them right now. In Jesus' name, amen.